It's working. Okay, perfect. Don't move, don't move, don't move. <laughs> don't breathe. Oh, for me to not move. It's hard. Okay, and then put this here. Very good morning. Let's start again. Hello, how are you today? So good to be here. We just finished the songs, and one of these songs, such biblical and beautiful words, all things work together for my good. I love this sentence. The Bible and the song uh, is not saying all good things work together for my good. It's all things. Maybe you are here. I don't know how was your last week. Struggling with something or fears or anxieties. You are in the right place. All things work together. God is building something in your life. So let's have a moment of prayer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, prepare our hearts for this moment now. I want to ask you for the help of your Holy Spirit to bring our minds and hearts for this moment where you'll be sharing your, your uh, holy scriptures, your word, Lord. So speak with us, bring uh, life, hope, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. We are starting a new sermon series called, and now this is a tricky one, I was talking with Justin to help me. Dynasty or dynasty? Dynasty. Dynasty is American. No. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> dynasty, where we will be talking about David in the Bible. And it's a series and teachings from the book of 1 and 2 Samuel, uh, from the life of David. So, it's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And who was this man? Now, I need you... Uh, be a bit patient because I need to explain a bit of the context and the history and then some practical applications for your life, for your family this very morning. Okay, so I need to explain. Who was this man? Son of another guy called Jesse, a rich man, well-respected, grandson of Ruth and Boaz. All these names, they are in your Bible. And I'll give some spoilers here. It's not spoilers, it's written for the last 2,000 years, so you should know. <laughs> Uh, and he was born in this very famous town called Bethlehem. Another person was born there as well. I think you, you remember. Seven miles in the south of Jerusalem. In the 10th century before Christ. So, David. Um, we'll talk a bit about this man. And this, he's famous because of this title. Can you imagine if God could you call with this title... A man after God's own heart. You can imagine. Uh, Danny, you are a man after God's heart. Oh, wow, it's beautiful. We have all these titles in the Bible. The Bible called uh, Abraham a friend of God. So this was David. Now, just to give you more the context. He wrote 73 Psalms. And there is 58 references about him in the New Testament. Your very last page in your Bible, the last chapter of the Bible, chapter 22 in the book of Revelation, David is there. Jesus talked about himself using David as well. I'm sure you are very familiar with this title, Jesus, son of David. You keep repeating, you keep reading this in the New Testament about David. He was king of Israel for 33 years. And and was the first king, let me correct, he was the second king, but was the first king to be a ruler on Israel as a 
small empire, united nation. Because before him, so the, the previous king, you have all these 12 tribes kind of fighting against each other. So it was the first time everybody was together under David's um, kingdom and, and, and as a ruler. More than 20 children. So stop to complain. <laughs> about, as far as we know, the names in the Bible, if you put together this puzzle, all the names, I have 20 but he had more that we don't know the names. Why we don't know? Because his uh, story is in these four books of the Bible. Now, if you enjoy Tolkien, Lord of Rings, all this stuff, you need to read 1, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 1 Chronicles. Because we have lots of information about David. And actually, uh, he's the main character in the Bible that we have information. There is no other uh, character in the Bible with such a lot of informations like David. We don't know that much about Paul or Peter or John, but David, everything. So we can understand his mindset, behavior, his sensitivity, all the poetry and the songs. He was a musician as well, but also he created instruments. He was the first guy to uh, put in the church 24 hours of worship with no stop in different turns. Rota, different, oh, the guy was just wake up in the morning, oh, and the Rota on four in the morning to worship. Go to the temple, or not the big, big temple, was the previous, the big one, another story for another day. Uh, but they had a place to worship, and they were there worshiping God, and so he's this big man. But there is something that I love in the Bible. Bible, the Bible is not, what's the word, a correctly, politically correct book. As I said, we know everything or a lot about this man and also his mistakes and sins. And the Bible is really raw, really honest and open about this man. So he was this big man of God, but also with lots of failures and and. And problems and sins. Because the Bible is not about David. It's about David's God. The restoration and everything that God did in his life and our lives. To bring us back to his presence. And today we will talk about something really sad in his story. And about David. Now, you know, I love archaeology, science, and all this stuff. And I was searching. We don't have that much archaeological information about David. I'm Brazil again. <laughs> yeah, it's my fault. It's me. It's here. Sweet. Sorry. Oh, the hand one. Okay. Bad. Thank you. Was makes me remember one of my. <laughs> I think I told this before many years ago. One of the first experiences that I had, I was in a seminary studying to be a preacher and all of this, and evangelizing the streets. And we had this very dangerous 
criminal guy who left the prison and he was back in the neighborhood and all the kids they were talking about oh he's back he's back and then well but I heard that he gave his heart to Jesus in the prison and then I said oh there's just one way to be sure and I went into his house and and yeah he was a born-again guy but in the middle of our conversation he lived in a very dangerous area we start to have these gunshots and everything and I lay down in the ground, and then he, we didn't have mobile phones like today, but we had some kind of radio. And, and then he called the other guy, stop to shoot, my, my pastor is here. And it was, so all these noise traumas. Until 1990, we didn't have that much uh, archaeological information about him. But then we start to discover and figure out, find out many uh, informations, but in 2005, this lady here, a doctor, sadly she passed away in 2021. She was brilliant. In 2005, she discovered the palace of David. It's in, in Jerusalem. Then it's, it's Israel. You can go there, visit. It's beautiful and have lots of historic and archaeological informations about him. Today we're talking about family. Mm. Now, from now on. If you are here or watching online, I'm going to ask you uh, a favor. Send this message to someone that you love. You can justify saying, the guy is weird, his accent's awful, but pay attention to this content. Or you can take notes and share with someone that you love. One of the darkest moments in David's life we'll be sharing here today. And you talk about family. Oh, Danny, I don't have kids. That's fine. You have na um, nephews. You have someone that you love. You have relatives. And you have kids in this church that you can pray for. Oh, Danny, but I'm not married. Wow, you have mother. You have father. Or you had. We will talk about family. We are a family in this community church. But you have your family as well. And your relatives. So I want to share with you. Uh, this sad story about David and how can we learn from it and the next sermon about him I'll talk about another next very dark moment in his life his past scene with Bathsheba yeah all these weird names you bring these names um, for this morning and Absalom was one of his 20 children his son we will read now the Bible text is coming to your screen and it's a very sad one. Uh, maybe you or you know someone who lost a son or a daughter. The pain is just un unbelievable. And this happened with David. So I'll start this story by the end. And this is the spoiler. Absalom died, okay? So this is the end. <laughs> well, the, from the end, I've explained what happened uh, in this family. Israel, under a season of faith, and the glory, the gold days of Israel, uh, when David was the king, he brings back the ark of God, the presence of God to Israel. He leads the people to worship God again. He was this great leader and conqueror and great man. And he was this warrior, a great, great man outside the gates, outside the castle. Caring about the others, but inside of his home, he was a failure. And today is a, a, a part of David that 
I don't want to be. In my life, I don't want to see in my household, in my family. And he was a brilliant man of God. That means that to be someone that God uses or God has pleasure or God rejoices in your life doesn't mean that you, you, you cannot have any mistake in your life. So let's go to the text. The king was shaking. This was the very moment where David received the news about his son Absalom. Absalom had died. They killed Absalom. They gave the news to him and he was shaking. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if I, if only I had died instead of you, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. And then I have this another Bible verse I want to read with you. The last page of the Old Testament, Malachi, the last page. It's a very short book, just four chapters. And the chapter four, just six verses. And the last verse is this one I want to read with you. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children, and the hearts of the children to their parents. There's another part of the text. Um, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. This chapter 4 of Malachi is talking about, is a prophecy about Jesus. Because in the beginning, chapter 2, uh, verse 2 and 3, talks about the son of righteousness that would come, will come in the future. And when he comes, so Jesus, he will turn the hearts to the parents, to their children. Lord Jesus, I want, once again, I want to pray asking for the help of your Holy Spirit to our hearts and families this morning here. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Some mistakes that we can learn with David. First one, David was far too busy. Like you and me, you have too many things to do every day. Two, three, four decisions a day. People depending on you. You have your boss and you have all these different um, roles that you play. I'm husband and wife and mother and father or I'm a professional. I need to raise money and I have dreams. What what my dreams? I don't know what my dreams are going to do this year. And we have all this busy environment, busy life. And this man was the same. So he was with, with uh, this kingdom and lots of wars happening all the time. Uh, we don't have time to go deeper in, this, in his story in this first Sunday, Sunday, but in this series, you learn a lot about his life. Hollywood have films about David. Even Richard Gere was David once, I remember. <laughs> so too busy, too busy, too busy, and nobody can be a good father for 20 children. Nobody can be a good father when you are so uh, full of demands and things to do. So... We are living in this era where we are far too busy to our family, absent and emotionally cold parenting. This was his style. He was a father not present, and he was a father emotionally cold. And this is weird, because you see this reaction and his feelings in Psalms. 
or in this text that we read now, he's weeping. He's crying out to God many times, full of emotions. But into the end of this sermon, you you understand why he was so cold and distant from, from his children and his family. And so close to his soldiers and warriors or Joab, his main uh, counselor. When parents are indifferent, children feel unwanted. When parents are not there, kids, they, they grow with this hole or affect. I don't know if there's, there's this word in English, affective hole in their souls. And they look for acceptance in someone else to the life. Is what we are seeing in this new generation. I have teenagers at home. They keep me updated about what's happening at school and friends and all of this. But I have my eyes on them as well. And I keep seeing the consequences about cold or distant fathers or mothers. They are physically there. Wow, I'm 44. So you remember, uh, I remember my father, 80s, in the beginning of the 90s. You know that sentence, shh, be quiet, your father is sleeping. Don't disturb him, he's busy. Even with good things. He's preparing the sermon. Shh. And we are, I don't know, we always try to be seen, to receive love, acceptance. And when the father is not there, or the mother, I'm talking about parenting, we have consequences. I have three girls. You know that. So for girls... There's a lot of consequences, but some of them is, since this girl, she was never able to access the father's love, she will spend many years of her life trying to access someone else's love, a male figure. In some cases, some unavailable man, some married man. It's not conscient. It's just there. She cannot name it. But she is in need of something. And if you are a girl here in this hall or watching uh, on YouTube, or if someone that loves you sends you this video for you and you are watching now, maybe you are looking for a boyfriend just to make up for your missing father. And you are projecting or reflecting your neediness onto someone else. Why am I telling these things this morning? Because this happened in David's family. And if happened in David's family, can happen in my home, with my family, with my girls. Oh, but I'm part of the leadership of the church. Yeah? Did you see David's CV before God? Boys. Consequences, results of, of cold parenting. Well... Absalom, we'll talk about him in a few minutes. He spent uh, lots of time pretending he, he didn't need of David's love. But then he became very aggressive. Very aggressive. And you know how it is. The greater the armor, the more um, fragile the person inside. Very aggressive people, they are just hiding weaknesses and insecurities. And you have all of these around us. 
I like this sentence. The world we are going to leave for our children depends on the children we are going to live in this world. Second mistake. Good intentions are not enough. Yes, David, he was a, uh, what's the word? Well-meaning, full of good intentions. Father, why do you know that if you have later a list of the names of David's sons and daughters, they're beautiful. We are talking today about Absalom, Absalom. That means, in the Hebrew language, father of peace. Maybe when he was a baby, David took in his arms and said, wow, you'll be a father of peace. Maybe you'll be a king someday. Or maybe, and full of dreams and hopes for the future of that boy. All this is beautiful. I spent many years of my life listening from people of the church saying, I don't know what happened. I had so good many dreams for my son or daughter. And, but even though David was well-intentioned or well-meaning, he didn't transform these intentions and actions in a daily life. Uh, it's just uh, many of us, and sometimes I feel, I feel guilty sometimes in my home. What, wow, the last three days I haven't Open my Bible with my girls. I haven't praying for them. We're just having normal, busy life. I push the handbrake, stop everything. So they know. Sometimes I scream from, you know how it is, from, from downstairs, girls, or just turn off the Wi Fi so they will come. <laughs> you have 10 minutes, I said to, for the girls, uh, to say bye for your friends or WhatsApp, whatever you are doing. Come down, we'll have our time together. No long face, come on, just, just say bye for your friend. Ah, but it's a lovely friend. Yeah, say bye, and we'll have our time together. Because all my good dreams, good intentions, I need to transform them. And real, real actions at home with them, showing by example. So, so this was the problem. David was just full of dreams. Good intentions, good plan, maybe in the future, this boy will be this and that. But that's it. You know, just good words. He wasn't there. Quality time, quantity as well, it's important. Oh, I just have 20 minutes for him. No, you need more time. Time is about priority. We always have time for something that is, is a priority in our lives. So this was the problem. Now, let me give you more information. The third mistake, David avoided family confrontation. You know that kind of tough conversation we try to avoid with kids or, or spouse or partners or someone. I will explain what happened for you. So let's focus, focus on these three David sons, Tamar, daughter, Absalom and Amnon, okay? Weird names is my pronunciation, is the way that they read in the Bible, so you just believe in me. And <laughs> okay, what happened? Very sad, so put your seatbelts now, if you are not familiar with this story, I will tell you because it's in the Bible. Amnon, he was in love for his own sister, Tamar. So he created, um, he, he had a plan. He spoke with David, the king, the father. And he made a plan. And he pretended that he was will, sick. 
and he sent um, a message to his father saying, ask to Tamar to come here at home to look after me. She went there. And the Bible says that she was preparing um, a baking uh, bread. And she took the bread for the bed where Amnon was pretending he was real. And Amnon raped her. Humiliated her. He just cast her out after. So humiliating. They were brother and sister. And the Bible says that the whole country, Israel, learned about this scandal. And the Bible says that David was furious. But he did nothing. He avoided confrontation. Nothing at all. I don't know. I think sometimes children have the power to become idols in our lives. So, the other son, Absalom, that we are talking about today, he said, wow, the father is not doing nothing. So, Abs nothing. so Absalom called Tamar to live with him, Absalom. And he waited for two years for David to do something. To do something with Amnon or to do something to comfort Tamar, David did nothing. And Absalom waited for two long years. And then the devil filled Absalom's hearts with hatred against Amnon. And he made a plan. He created a plan in his head. And again, the Bible says that everybody knew about his plan to kill Amnon, to take revenge. And he goes to David, his father, say, and he said, Father, uh, I would like to go to the woods to hunt. Can I take hunt hunting? Can I take Amnon with me? And all Israel knew. And the father said, uh, uh, doesn't look like the David that I read in other parts of the Bible. David was kind of insecure. And David said, oh, take all your brothers with you. Because maybe... Absalom, you're not doing nothing against Amnon with the other brothers together. was his responsibility. He was just handing over. You know the difficult conversations that we need to have with our kids, our spouse, our mothers and fathers, our family? You cannot hand over for a psychiatrist, for a psychologist, for a YouTube video, for a church, for a preacher. You need to deal with. So, okay, your brothers, they go together. And what happened? Absalom killed Abaddon. Absalom, after this, ran away. And again, David was furious and weeping, and he did nothing. Absalom runs. And Absalom goes to live with his uh, uh, grandfather for three years. David did nothing. After this... Someone sent a message to David saying, oh, call back to Jerusalem. Call back your son, Absalom. He's living this place with his uh, grandfather. And his grandfather was filling Absalom's heart with hatred against David because this man, his, his daughter, one of the wives of David, she never have had space in the palace or a queen. So he was kind of taking revenge Absalom comes back to Jerusalem and he 
lives in a house one mile away from the palace from David. And David never called him for a conversation. And after two years again, Absalom, full of anger and hate, he sent a message to the king. And he said, it's in your Bible. Absalom said, tell the king to kill me, but to look to my face. And then, after this WhatsApp message or email, David said, okay, bring the young man Absalom. When Absalom arrives, the king David looked to him, come down from his throne, and kiss him on his face. One murder, one rape, lots of anger, no confrontation, no conversation, just a kiss. He tried to fix it, all the situation with a kiss. So Absalom just go, goes and full of hate. And he says, well, there is no justice in Israel. I will become the next king. What happened before this? A fertilization of hatred inflicted by the devil. In two situations, situation number one, about what had happened with Tamar. And you see this in Absalom's life. Do you know what happened with Absalom? He had Tamar in his house. And Absalom got married with a lady. And they, they have a baby. And the baby is a baby girl, a beautiful baby girl. Guess what name Absalom put in that girl? Tamar. The meaning of Tamar is little flower, fragile. In another words, he was provoking David. He was saying, in this Tamar, nobody will touch. I will protect her. Second situation full of hatred. The past sin of his father, David. David was forgiven. The beautiful text that we have in Psalm 51 is the moment of David's repentance before God. God forgave him. But that past sin destroyed his reputation life in his house. Why he's not confronting Ammon or Absalom or not? Maybe he was feeling guilty because of his past sin. Many, some of us, we have a very bad destroy in the back or have sins and we are not confronting our kids today. The past sin of his father. On 26th, I will be preaching again, then I'll preach more about this sin. Some of you are very familiar with the story. Some of you don't know the story. I'll try to be very short, opening these brackets to help you to understand. David, he had, as far as we know, eight wives. But they had the, the Bible, we call all these words concubines. Concubines is the word? Lots of wives and princesses. And one day, Israel, they were fighting a war. David was at home. She goes out of the palace. She looked to the other window. A lady was having shower in the window. And she looked at her, and she has desire for her. And, uh, and he has desire for her. And then he asked for the guys, who is that lady? And they said, oh, that lady is Bathsheba. And she is married with Uriah, your soldier. David just doesn't care. He said, okay, call her here. They had sex. She was pregnant. 
And this story is so awful and sad. Because after that, when David received the message, okay, uh, Bathsheba, Bathsheba is pregnant. David created a plan as well. Okay, call Uriah back from the war. Uh, let's give some money for them, a romantic dinner, a nice wine, so they can spend a honeymoon uh, uh, night, a romantic night, and the kid belongs to Uriah. But it didn't work. Because Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, comes back home. He received a nice uh, I don't know if they have checks in that day, but a nice reward or money from the king or something. And instead, go home to stay with uh, his wife, Bathsheba. Uriah said, no, my friends, they are fighting. My friends are dying in the war. How can I stay here? Such a loyal man, such a noble man. So David's plans didn't work. So the second plan B was worse than the first one. They write the message, given the hands of Uriah. And said, hand this message to the general, to your boss. And the message was saying, put Uriah in the first line of the combat. And Uriah died. This is his past sin. Why Absalom was full of hatred against this sin? Because Absalom now, he wants to become a king. He wants to kill his own father, David. And he becomes a king in a place called Hebron. And he calls to be his main counselor, a man called Ahithophel. Ahithophel. This man was the father of Bathsheba. This man hated David. So this man was giving counseling and advices to Absalom with hate and revenge. And you know what he said to Absalom? He said, do you remember what your father, King David, did in the secret with Bathsheba, my daughter? Do the same, but do the, in the rooftop of Israel. So the Jerusalem BBC and, and everybody, they can film and they can see. And Absalom did. He took all the concubines of his father and he had sex with him in the rooftop. What he's doing? He's just displaying all the dirty of the royal family for everybody to see. Why I'm telling this story? In 1979, this man, he wrote this book, 1979, The Culture of Narcissism. And the main idea was, he was saying in 79, he was saying, we are entering a generation of um, ongoing diminished ability to exercise authority for the parents. In other words, parents are not confronting or looking to the eye of their kids anymore. I'm not talking about reaction, emotional reaction. Stop it. Sit it. No, no, no. I'm talking about deep conversation. I'm talking about to learn about their souls. I'm not talking about how was this school today. I'm talking about something deeper. And then we need time. Why I'm telling this? Because this happened in David's house. So this morning, I was praying for my girls and thinking, God, I don't know the best friend who sits next to them at school. I don't know what kind of influence. I'm not there all the time checking everything they watch online. I cannot control everything. But please, God, make me sensitive for behavior changing, different voice, the gaze, everything. 
and to confront them, to have tough conversations with them. He, Jesus, will turn the hearts of the parents to their children. It's a promise of God that this course, this destruction, you not come to your family, to your marriage, to your life, to your family, to your kids, to your grandchildren. If you have grandchildren, cover them with the wings of prayer. Be a counselor to your uh, uh, son-in-law or, or daughter or, or son. Cover the families of the children. I don't have family. We have family here. We have kids here. We have a solid 412. We have young couples. We have babies. And if you are part of this church, if you need to talk with someone, please come. Don't isolate yourself struggling something in your family. We, we don't know everything that happens in, the, in this church. But if you have a problem, just raise your hand. Send an email. Can we pray together? Can we talk together? I don't know what to do in this situation. Please, could you guys help? We are here to say we are Crawley Community Church. I love this name. Community. We are under the blood of Jesus. We are about to celebrate now the communion because the blood of Jesus. I don't want to see in my family what happened with David. So today we're going to pray for our families. We'll cover our families. We ask forgiveness for their sins. Maybe this Sunday God is talking to you, speaking to you. Maybe this is the Sunday that you need to give that phone call. Don't send email. Don't send WhatsApp message. Call for that person. I did this 17 years ago. I did something really bad in a church that I was pastoring. I can have a lots of justifications here. I was too young, no experience, no mentorship, no coaching, nothing. All of this is true, but I was wrong. And I was in my room praying, and that name from that guy came to my head. Wow, it was like another life. You know this feeling? It was like another life. You were just another person. I need to call for that person. I just forgot that situation. And then, you know how is you call for a friend who has a friend who has a friend until you find the number of that person. And then I called WhatsApp. You don't need online and I call for, for, for this guy. It was a weekend just to not disturb his <laughs> work and say, look, this is weird. Do you remember me? Oh, of course. How are you? I'm calling you to ask for, please forgive me. Oh, that's fine. No, no, no. Let's talk about that situation. Oh, just release your heart. It's, it's a relief. It's a blessing. You know, this confrontation in your home, you know, in your home, they're having weird conversation with friends. Your spouse is different with you. Hey, let's talk. Hey, let's cover our family with the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's not only be well-meaning or have good intentions or have good plans and pray, but let, let's face the situation. Are you too busy for your family? It's wrong. Sorry. It's, it's just we need to prioritize. Are you far too busy? Spend time with them. Spend time with them. To get to know someone, to love someone takes time. Not with the TV working or some radio. Look into the eye. Spending time. Uh, 
with the person, their dreams, their personal story, some good confrontations. And now I want to invite you to pray. And I invite you to have communion. And my suggestion for you, if you have someone from your family here to pray together, if you don't have, that's fine. You can pray for them. You can name it. You can say their names. Lord, please, you can heal that person. You can heal. You can bring this person to your presence. You can pray for your family and cover them with the blood of Jesus. And maybe this morning is a morning where you need to take this cup and before drink it, look to your partner, spouse, or someone from your life and say, please, could you forgive me? Not only for this last week, but for the last years. Could you, I don't have justification, but could you forgive me, please? Not explaining, I did this because of that. No, 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 no. And cover your family with the blood of Jesus. And this week, maybe you can start something new. Let's open the Bible in this home. Let's read one psalm in this home. Let's pray to, come on, take 10 minutes daily with your family. Let's bring the presence of Jesus. And when your kid, your kid's not a God. Your kid's not a God. You can confront them. Doesn't matter your past. Your past is on the cross of Jesus. You, have, you are forgiven. What kind of film are you watching? What kind of friend? Who is this friend? Can you talk about this? Oh, are you, uh, are you talking about boyfriends or girlfriends? Okay. Let's, I'm not saying no, but what's happening? Just put everything. It's the most dangerous prayer you can have in your home. It's that kind of prayer. Holy Spirit, bring light in everything that's hidden in this home. In this home. In their heads, in their minds, in their emotions, in their rooms. Everything, Holy Spirit. And be ready because in the breakfast or dinner time or any moment they will come with weird faces. Hello. Good morning. You know teenagers. They don't speak. They have some sounds. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Good morning. Uh. Okay. And suddenly they open their hearts. But you are there. And you are there. I have an opinion. I think husbands, you should sleep tired. You cannot go to the bed when you're not tired. Rest is for those who are tired. You are, you are free, not tired. Just spend time praying with them. Spend time telling stories or sharing about your past with them. They love to hear about when you were a teenager. And spend time with them. And then if you, oh, I'm tired. And then you go to sleep. You blessed your family. You were there with your spouse. Let's pray. It's 11.25. Can I call you guys? Can I have a song? And then you are more then free to come. They're playing the song, you come, take the cup, the bread, and share with someone from your family or a friend, someone that you love and it's important for you who's here today. Ask forgiveness to, to the Lord, to this person, and today maybe you send a, you, you give a phone call, and it's time of reconciliation and healing. Let's play. You can stand. While they're playing the song, you're more than free to come. <laughs>